We would like to say a special thank you to Randall and Kim Questad for sponsoring this week's episode in honor of the ordination of Katie Pauly. Now remember, whenever you think Jesus is saying, do this, and you're thinking how, immediately you aren't trusting that when he says, it happens. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. In this week's Gospel reading, we hear the disciples say to Jesus, Lord, increase our faith, only to have Jesus spout back, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed. Kiri and I asked Dr. Chris Krogan, Is faith something you can have more or less of? Dr. Krogan teaches us in this week's conversation that faith is categorical. You either have it or you don't. And, more importantly, God is the one who gives you faith. In this life filled with sin, death, and the devil, there will be temptations for unbelief. But that's why God gave us the first commandment. He is Lord. So in times of trouble, we know who we can call. He is our God. Let's get to it. Here's Luke chapter 17, verses 1 through 10. And he said to his disciples, Temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your slave who had just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, Come here at once and take your place at the table? Would you not rather say to him, Prepare supper for me, put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink. Later you may eat and drink. Do you thank the slave for doing what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, We are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. And now on to this week's conversation. Welcome back. We have Dr. Chris Krogan with us this week. Thanks for being here, Dr. Krogan. It's good to be back. I think this is the second week in a row that it has been just Mason and me with Dr. Krogan. Oh, okay. I, I think Adam had a had a previous engagement. Had a previous too. engagement mm-hmm. last time mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Called mm-hmm. two children, including a newborn. Lord, yeah. increase our faith. Yep. <laughs> so before we get started on the scripture, yeah. we were talking a little bit before. The scripture reading for this week is Luke 17, verses 5 through 10. Yep. 
But in our podcast today, we are also going to be including verses one through four. Yep, exactly. Um, just and I re- why? Or I recommend that anybody that's doing this in church does the one through four because it actually sets up the context for what it is, why they're requesting increase our faith. Because okay. if you read through one through four, it's rather daunting because Jesus says to his disciples, temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. Now, this is important. These are the key things that we've probably talked about in the past, but we need to emphasize. The temptation to sin, remember sin, as we know in Scripture in John 8, but also Luther helps teach this to us when he's going through his commentary on Romans and his preface to Romans. He actually defines sin and he says the only sin the is unbelief. Mm-hmm. So whenever I teach my students at Luther House, I say sin, one word, unbelief. So this is key. So just look at that. The temptation to unbelief is sure to come. Hmm. Okay. So, I mean, you're going to have your doubts. The temptation to doubt is sure to come. But woe to the one through whom doubt comes. Hmm. Right? So this is, you know, and then Jesus is going, it better for him to have a millstone hung around his neck than lead the little ones to not trust in God or not trust in Jesus, because that's what we're saying here. So, which is of course, right? You know, so it would be better to have a millstone tied around your neck and thrown to the bottom of the sea than to make somebody not believe in God, not believe in Christ. Hmm. So this is this is what's going on. So now that the apostles have been given this task, and then the next thing is pay attention to yourselves. If a brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. Fair enough. Okay, I suppose I can do that once. If he sins against you seven times in the day and turns you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Now, that's where it gets tough. That, exactly. <laughs> right. Say more because you're exactly right. This is the guts. Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're about to get in it. <laughs> no, but this no. is right. Okay, me being the lovely sinful human that I am <laughs> and having a little bit of an attitude, if my husband or my sibling did this to me, like by the end of the day, I'm like, I'm done with you. No, I'm not forgiving you. Well, like, What's the saying? Fool me. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, no. That, that's exactly I, what the disciples are kind of like, like, I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to go there. They'll probably do it. They'll probably forgive me seven times. But, yeah. but it's, the, it's, a, it's that me, unconditional like, forgiveness. That. Yeah. And the reason, it's not just like an intellectual thing. It's because you've made, whenever you forgive somebody, you've made yourself vulnerable to them again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and so that's actually really hard to do when they've offended you or so now you're like, okay, you know. It's that turn the other cheek kind of you thing. You feel low and they just keep putting you lower. Exactly. Yeah. But, but, it, but it, it, you know, so you're just like, wait a second, am I dumb? Am I being gaslighted? All those kind of things, right? And so, so this is what's going on. And so the disciples are like, well, I don't want to make somebody unbelief because that, that'd be bad. I also don't know if I can forgive people so unconditionally. Thus, verse five, which is why it, it's good to have verses one through four in people's conscience when they get to verse five, because then it makes sense. The apostle said, to the Lord, increase our faith, because they're like, I don't think I can do this, <laughs> right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So that's why they're like, whoa, hold on. Yeah, the apostles are scared of having being thrown to the bottom of the ocean. Yep. Yeah. And they don't think that they have enough faith to f- forgive endlessly. Yeah. So that that is quite the one-two combo to because alas, have they're only human with. sinners. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's a. I mean, that's a really natural question to say. Okay, so how do I how do I navigate out of this thing? Is I need more. Faith. Yes. I need more cowbell. Yep. I'm sorry. Yep. No, but you just you're like, I need a power up here, you know, give me, give me a little, which by the way, that's what is really interesting is first of all, it's increase that is kind of magnified. So you know that increase is, is a um, measurement, right? Yeah. Because if you want something increased, you, you're standardizing. Okay, this is where I'm at. I need to get more. Keep in mind whenever you are assessing, measuring, quantifying something, it's always in the law because mm. it's numerical. And <laughs> mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. math is the law. So what if we were to say something like, give me faith? Yeah. Is that going to be in the law? Mm. And now here I am calculating what's in the law. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not, but, 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 but you can say, you know, you can say, give me faith. That is, open my ears to hear what you have to say. Um, that's different than saying, increase my faith, because you're trying, you're like, I've got something. I mean, I've got it. Now I need a little help. So, but, but what's, what, the, what their request is revealing, as Jesus picks up on in the next verse, verse six, but what their request is revealing is, we don't have faith. Because the fact that you actually ask for faith is saying or increasing it automatically there. Because, because you, keep, you either have faith or you don't. There's yeah. not, it's not something that you can actually increase. It's right. not an incremental thing. Like you just said, you said like if you're going to increase anything, it's by iterations or yeah. you can, something you can count. But, but also... But yeah, faith is, is categorical. Like a, it's like... Right. Yeah. But also... Their question is out of fear, which shows you they don't have faith. Because if they were trusting Jesus, they'd be like, done. Yeah, we got cool. it. I'm not going to go to the bottom of the ocean. No, like, I'm not going to the bottom of the ocean. I'm not going to bring anybody sin. I'm not going to, I can forgive however many times. They'd be like, done. No, they realize I'm not there. They, hmm. When you feel the threat of the law, that is to say, you think you're in trouble, mm-hmm. you aren't trusting Christ has you. Well, it's, this is all coming full circle already, and we're only yeah. in verse 5. <laughs> Temptations to sin are sure to come. Yeah. Temptations of unbelief are sure to come. You, that's what you opened with. Exactly. And here they are. They just showed up because of the threat of the law <laughs> and because they know they're not capable. And so Jesus starts going then, and he identifies, you know, if, if so if sometimes you maybe some people will say, you know, no, you know, there, there's room for doubt or no, something's going on here. We're, we're good. Um, you know, they, they have faith. They need increased. What does Jesus say? No, if you had faith. If you had faith. <laughs> so he's saying, you people don't have faith right now. You actually are caught in your sin. He is really, truly just saying, there's, like you just said, Mason, the temptation of sin has arrived. Mm-hmm. If you had faith, the size of mustard seed. So Jesus is even further showing that, you know, what you wanted to quantify, I'm going to make it really small. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's just basically something you can hardly even see. But Jesus isn't necessarily 
saying that faith is an incremental thing. No. Like, he's just using that as a... a He's taking the analogy and making fun of it all. Exactly. He's not say, telling people... Gets faith of the size not, of the mustard. Right, yeah. He, and he's not telling people that faith is going to happen the same way to each person, that if you have faith, you can do crazy things. No. Like uproot a mulberry tree, which, by the way, mulberry trees, top notch. Yeah. Be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. Yep. Because that's just not... Well, that happen. doesn't. I mean, that doesn't make sense. Be uprooted and if, planted in the sea. What do you? Yeah. No, you. Well, you, I feel you'd like people would to... look at that as a prescription, though. Yeah. People will look at that and say, "Okay, how can I get from here to here?" Exactly. But how again, they're I... hearing it in the law. Yes. Yep. Now remember, whenever you think Jesus is saying "do this," and you're thinking "how," immediately you aren't trusting that when He says it happens. So this is kind of what we're going to get to as we get further down in these verses is they aren't trusting that Jesus is. Mm -hmm. They think we need to be. And so that's part of what's going on here with this text. That's what the apostles are doing when they hear that it's better for a millstone to be hung around the neck and cast in the sea than it could cause the little ones not to have the little ones to have unbelief. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, forgiving someone seven times, that's imp- impossible. Both of those, they're answering, okay, how do I not give yeah. someone unbelief and how do I forgive someone seven times? Yep. By asking how means... It implicates them. Yeah. That they don't think it's... They're, they're capable and they're right, but they don't think God is providing. And that's at the heart of it. They so, think they have a role to play in God's doing here. So that's where someone like me answering the question of yours from earlier mm-hmm. saying, no, I can't forgive right. my spouse or it's, family member that many true. times. I can't do it. You'll never be able to do it. Like I, I can't. I yep. just, I don't have the personality for it. <laughs> yep. It's going to have to be done to, to you. Me. Hmm. Okay. So, I mean... Th- that is a relief. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, 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 and that will be the case where you'll be surprised at how mercy will come out of your mouth because mercy is not a calculation of how you're going to get anything out of this. Mercy is just given. And so you'll be like shocked because you're like, this isn't benefiting me. In fact, this is making my life harder or mm-hmm. putting more, more at risk. Um, so just leaving it to God. And so in this old world, they're right. I can't do this. That wouldn't make sense. It's not possible. So on and so forth. So Jesus is getting at this. And so, you know, he, he's at the heart of the heart of his point is, are they trusting Jesus to provide? No. And so this is what he's getting at. Um, you know, does God hold something back? So that's part of the increase our faith too. You mean God held some faith back? I mean, it's kind of an offensive mm-hmm. question. Right, yeah. You know. Absolutely. You know. Well, you think it's an offensive question. Yeah, or a request. It's an offensive request. Hey, Jesus, you've been holding back some of that faith, right? <laughs> you know, you know. so you can understand Jesus' response here. Look, if you had even just a, if you even had a clue of what I was talking about, you'd be to tell a mulberry tree to uproot and walk into the ocean. <laughs> so he's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty, he's pretty, uh, and it would hear you and obey you. Yeah. So now moving into the, the second half of, of this text, yep. 
verse seven, we start talking about masters. We start talking about slaves. Yep. And if you just read this, I feel like some people's eyes can gloss over and we can lose track of, of the context that we just got in verse exactly. five. Yep. So let, let me just read it before we dive into Good. it. So verse seven, who among you would say to your slave who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, come here at once and take your place at the table. Would you rather not ra- rather say to him, prepare supper for me, put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink later. You may eat and drink. Mm-hmm. So what, what is going on here in the sense that the master is speaking to the slave that they need to be in the the right, the right place that they need to do their job. They need to serve the master. Yep. So what Jesus is sitting here and saying, there's power dynamics here. Jesus says, you know, mm-hmm. so if you actually had a slave, you know, just think of the power dynamics. He says, you're the master, which is another way of saying you're the Lord. That is to say, you are their God. You're in control of them, what they do. Would you tell them to ask or want, would you want them to come in and request to be treated like an equal? No, that's not the role we have here. Mm -hmm. This is Lord, servant, God, creature. So this is what Jesus is saying here. Look at what you're doing. You're, you're trying to make it as if you have a equal share at what's going on here, or you, you're trying to level the playing field between you and God. So uh, what, would you, what would you say to someone who's struggling with this in the 21st century, that slavery yeah. is no longer here, and they're getting lost in the... Yeah, they're getting lost in the, 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 the language. it's just yeah. hard to avoid it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, I mean, first of all, you can say, we're, we're talking about Lord, so we can say, forget, let's use the word Lord and servant or God and creature. This is kind of the analogy Jesus is using. He's not talking about um, 1850s right. slavery. He's just saying there is a power dynamic between you and God. And what's the power dynamic? It's called the first commandment. I'm the Lord, your God, you're not. <laughs> There it is. Hallelujah. But that's what Jesus is saying, which yeah. is why even their their um, request to increase our faith is as if they can go and make, you know, have something to barter with Jesus even. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he's like, you still don't understand. So this is kind of what's going on. And Jesus is getting, the reason Jesus is hitting them hard on this first commandment stuff, God, you're not, is because when you have a God, that means you have a place to go when you're in need. Mm-hmm. That is to say, you don't have to be in charge. So um, the important thing about having a master or a Lord is that they are the ones that will determine your fate, not you. Mm-hmm. Real quickly before, just because I feel like, at least from what I understand of it, I feel like it complements what you just said yep. quite beautifully. Um I know earlier before we started recording, you'd mentioned Habakkuk. Yeah. And um, you'd mentioned verse uh, chapter one, verses one yes. through four, and chapter two, verses one through four, I believe. And I feel like some of what you just said goes into at least. You nailed it on the head there. One. Yes, I'm glad that you interrupted me on that because this is the Old Testament text 
for this Sunday, Habakkuk. And it's the one that the Apostle Paul is referencing in Romans, where the righteous live by faith. Okay? Mm. That's and a big one. It's a big one. And so it's kind of it's kind of our law gospel, you know, right down the middle kind of thing. Now, a lot of people haven't necessarily read Habakkuk, but it's really important to read the first two and even the three chapters of Habakkuk and see what Paul's referencing. But in what we have here in one, one through four in chapter one is we have Habakkuk saying two things. First of all, how long? We're waiting for you, God. And what's happening in, in this is Habakkuk, sees the Chaldeans, which is the enemies of Israel, sitting up on the horizon with all of their armies, and they're about to come down, and it would be what we'd call a pogrom. They're about to slaughter the people of God. And Habakkuk recognizes that, A, why is this happening? Why are you doing this? But B, you are doing this, God. Mm -hmm. And God has sent the Chaldeans to slaughter his chosen people. So that's chapter one. Yikes. Exactly. It's literally, I mean, I'm looking at it right now as you're talking, and it's literally... Biblical? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's a full cry for help. Yeah. And I think that that's, I I can't remember, in weeks past, we talked about this in one of our podcasts, but in regard to prayer... Mm -hmm. It's really tough sometimes to pray, especially when something terrible is happening to you or your loved ones. And you, because you feel guilty, I mean, we feel guilty yelling at God and Mm -hmm. putting him in his place and saying, you are God, get me out of this hell. Mm -hmm. Like, I do not want to be here. Mm -hmm. Do something about it. Mm -hmm. We don't, that doesn't feel, that doesn't feel kosher to us. Mm Yep. Yep. So what's happening here? You're right. You're, you're on the money here because then chapter two, one through four is the righteous in the midst of being killed live by faith. Now, what is their faith? It actually shows up in chapter three of Habakkuk where Habakkuk says, remember, you remember God that in wrath you remember mercy. In wrath, you are merciful. So this is, goes back to, which is why it was a great interruption here, Kiri, is what you were kind of picking up on with Habakkuk is in the, the reason God has the first commandment is when you experience the trials, when you experience the consequences of sin, death, and the devil, you have a place to go. And you're not trying to barter your way out. You're not trying to make your way out of it, which is finally you have a Lord, which is why Jesus is saying this. You know, you don't try to play equal with God and you don't, you just literally keep that power dynamic. You're God, I'm not. You're God, I'm not. And the righteous live by faith when they are under, when they're under the pressure, when they are being attacked by the very wrath that God has. They're like, yeah, but in your wrath. You remember mercy. So this is what's going on here, which is why it's so important. Then we're going to now back into our gospel and go into verse nine. Do you thank the slave for doing what was commanded? So don't expect um, God to say, hey, you know, I'm going to pat you on the back. Good job. You know, your works have merited you something. You know, you got something. No. So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, we are worthless slaves we have done only what we ought to have done. In other words, 
look, you said so, we did it. This is because you are Lord and you are our God. And so now this is a very important thing because you said so, it happened. When you say you're forgiven, it's a done deal. We don't have to sit there and wonder, did I have a role to play in this forgiveness? Same with the resurrection. When he calls your name out when you're dead, <laughs> it's done. So you, got, you get to finally, when you're stinking in the grave, get to have a God who's going to call you out of the death. And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Dr. Chris Krogan for teaching us that temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. As Luther said, sin is unbelief. There will be temptations to doubt, but amid life filled with sin, death, and the devil, God is the one who gives us faith. Faith isn't something that can be measured or we can have more of. Faith is simply something God gives us. Even faith the size of a mustard seed is enough for the greatest promise possible, the forgiveness of sins and life everlasting. Luther House of Studies' mission is to strengthen Lutheran leadership and ministries for the proclamation of the gospel. We wouldn't be able to serve current and future ministry professionals, as well as members of the church, without the generous support of people just like you. If you or your congregation is interested in sponsoring an episode of Scripture First, please send Sarah Stenson an email at sarah.stenson at lutherhouseofstudy.org. That's sarah.stenson at lutherhouseofstudy.org. You can find her email in the show notes or find more information about supporting Luther House of Study at lutherhouseofstudy.org. Thanks again for joining us this week. Remember, faith isn't measured, it's given. We'll see you next time on Scripture First. <laughs>